It was a thorn in our side all season long, so let's fix the Vikings pass rush here on the Locked on Vikings podcast. You like it on three, one, two, three, you like it! You are Locked on Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And welcome to the Locked On Vikings podcast, where we're always trying to learn something new. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you so much to those of you who listen to this show every single day. My hashtag everydayers, love y'all so very much. And I love how much I've been hearing from you lately. Send me an email whenever you want. Podcast at gmail.com. I'll get back to you eventually. <laughs> Uh, if you're new here, hello, welcome. My name is Luke. You can, of course, find this show wherever you find your favorite podcasts, uh, whether it's anywhere where you listen to audio podcasts, including the SiriusXM app, where you can also find live broadcasts of, say, Timberwolves games. Just search out uh, Timberwolves. You can also find this show on Amazon Fire and Roku. Just download the Locked on Minnesota Sports app there, or just search it up, search it up on YouTube. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code locked on NFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. It's the edge rushing room today, so I've got a couple of goals. First, I want to assess where the Vikings are at in terms of edge rushing and then, like, I guess, pass rush in general. Uh, and then I want to see if I can fix the problem because guess what? It's bad. It's really bad. If the Vikings do nothing, which of course they won't do, but just kind of like as it stands, the amount of work that they have to do, the projected roster on it, the, like, the, the projected room is made of Andre Carter, Patrick Jones, and I'm fairly certain that's literally it. They would have had Benton Whitley, but I think he got poached by someone else. That's those are the two. That's it. So they need to construct an entire edge rusher room in one offseason. This is where the cornerbacks were at last year and they kind of got Byron Murphy and like hoped dudes would step up. They're not even like there. Like even if you say, yeah, we really believe in Andre Carter and Patrick Jones to step up, which would be like negligent. I feel like is a nice word for that. <laughs> uh, like that would be like the producer's level. I think someone might be scamming us. Uh, even if they do that, they still have literally no depth. Not that they don't have good depth, no depth. It's such an emergency. Like, I should feel we should be panicking deeply. I've been talking a lot about quarterback, and of course, that is still the priority. You roll into a season with no edge rushers, but you found your quarterback. You probably would take that versus the opposite. But like, oh, God, <laughs> it's rough. So uh, th that's the edge room right now. Obviously, that's not necessarily uh, the way that things are going to, to, to be in, you know, two months from now. So what are they going to do? And I, and I think the first questions that they have to answer are about the guys that are slated to leave in the off season, Marcus Davenport, Daniel Hunter, and DJ Wanham. Uh, and not having like any practice squad depth or anything like that is also going to be a little weird. You're going to probably see a lot of random like edge rusher signings, or you're going to, they're, you're going to have like four undrafted free agent edge rushers or something like that. Like they need, I think probably like seven or eight of them just to get through camp. Right. So like, you're going to see a lot of transactions, whether they're re-signings for Daniel Hunter or draft picks or free agents or whatever. So 
there's a lot of stuff that they can do, luckily. And in terms of edge rushers, if I recall, this is a draft class with a couple of pretty exciting names at edge rusher. Um, I would be looking a lot at the day two edge rushers for sure, especially if the Vikings have to prioritize, you know, drafting their quarterback and they have to trade up or whatever. But maybe you still have your second round pick. Maybe you still have those thir- those fourth round picks. They have two fourth round picks this year. You're maybe taking an edge rusher or something like that. But they only have so much capital available to do it in the draft because they need to do their quarterback thing. Uh, so I'm going to guess that they spend a lot of money on edge rusher here in in the uh, free agency period. So first things first, let's decide on the littler guys, and we'll get to Daniel Hunter later. Marcus Davenport. Should the Vikings bring back Marcus Davenport? So I did. I talked about this in a show. I talked about all of the pending free agents, but I did it sort of rapid fire. The season that Marcus Davenport had, obviously pretty disappointing. You wanted him to be healthy for more than, what, the six games we got out of him or however many it was? That sucks. And he's a guy with an injury history. So if you buy back into him, you're kind of buying back into that same risk. But any poker player can tell you that that might not necessarily be wrong. You lose a hand doing something, you might have done the correct thing. And look, Quasey thinks probabilistically, right? He's an analytics guy. He's a quant, in his own words. Uh, So he's not necessarily going to let the failure of a risk prevent him from taking an additional risk. Um, I think it's in the cards. That said, what is Marcus Davenport's like contract going to be? Uh, that's a more difficult question. Uh, so PFF has all of their free agent projections and a one year, $5 million deal for Davenport is their projection there. Five mil for a guy that could be an actual starter actually kind of feels like a decent bet. I don't, I don't think this is impossible, y'all, for, for Marcus Davenport to be brought back and to say, yeah, you know what? We paid you too much, uh, but because of the structure of that and because of weird void year crap, his cap hit in 2024 currently is $6.8 million. There's dead money. They only paid about half of his contract last year. They got to pay the rest of it off. If they sign him to a $5 million deal, his cap hit will be $6.7 million. It's almost exactly the same to the point where I wonder if they structured it on purpose to be that way, to be like, okay, we can give him a $5 million deal and essentially break even on 2024 cap. And then of course you get, you would get dead cap in uh, 2025 to the tune of 5.1 million in dead cap, which is a little bit better, I guess, than, than 6.8. So, uh, and they can kind of keep rolling that forward if if they get a good year out of Marcus Davenport or something sort of a prove it year I don't know kind of feels really feasible to me and what we saw when Marcus Davenport was healthy I think was good enough where I'm comfortable taking that risk again and yeah we might get burned that's what risk is sometimes you get burned when you take risk but I think looking at it as if what happened last year just will repeat itself over and over and over again is a pretty bad way to like process the NFL uh, if that were the case, uh, we would see the same teams in the playoffs every year and all that, right? Like it's 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 a fast changing league and sometimes your fortunes turn. Sometimes you win different coin flips. That said, I wouldn't bank on it this year. And I think honestly, so I think the Vikings made two mistakes with with Marcus Davenport in terms of planning. One, I, that contract was just too much money. I think 13 mil was just too much. Yeah, they void yeared it. Yeah, they got the cap hit down this year. But I think that was too much for the risk that they knew that they were taking. Uh, I don't think that that was like a an efficient deal. And then two, relying on Marcus Davenport's health. Understanding that he was a risky player 
and then, you know, paying what you need to pay for that risk and saying, yeah, we're taking a gamble and we're just going to kind of roll the dice here. I can understand that. And yeah, you got burned on it, but at least I can understand the process there. But the event where he gets injured not only means you get bad return on investment, it also means you are pulling on depth that has has not, I, I don't even want to say unproven because they've proven that they're not good enough, right? We've had seasons where DJ Wanham had to do the whole thing, right? With, with Everson Griffin hurt or whatever. Um, we, we've had a lot of tape on DJ Wanham knowing that him as an, as an every down starter is not good enough. Uh, and as a rotational player, he can have some juice and he can, you know, make really cool plays in open space and all that stuff. Um, I thought DJ Wanham got better and we'll just, I guess just transition to Wanham. I thought Wanham got better this year about uh, setting the edge, and I think he looked stronger this year, but he still was not a full-on starting quality player. He did not offer really anything in the pass rush outside of uh, like one good pass rush win every like two games. Um, it just I just don't think that was good enough as a starter. And there was too great a probability that DJ Wanham would be the starter for you to kind of just roll into the season with Marcus Davenport. So let's learn from this lesson, right? Let's learn a lesson from this and say, okay, we're going to pay Marcus Davenport a little less this time, right? Which is we get the luxury of doing because he's coming off this really injured, quiet season. And let's um, not rely on Davenport entirely. Put him in the room. If he stays healthy, that's awesome. We have a great piece. But let's have somebody different that is waiting in the wings. Let's get more uh, established depth and rotational players and guys that can kind of keep them all fresh and, and reduce their injury risk and, and all of that stuff uh, and try to flesh out that room a little better, which is what I'll talk about next. Today's episode of Locked On Vikings is brought to you by Prize Picks. It's the best way to play daily fantasy. I've been having a ton of fun on Prize Picks. My winning streak finally came to an end. I've been killing it since uh, since week 18, which I guess was a two-game winning streak. But that's pretty good on Prize Picks because you pick two to six of your favorite players and you get them all right. You can get a huge payout. Uh, so it's very much a game that you like lose until you win. But all you do is pick two to six of your favorite players and, and your favorite entries of that week. And prize picks sets an amount and you just pick more than or less than. You get them all right. You get an awesome payout. If you want to join me in all of this fun, you can go to uh, prizepicks.com slash NFL and use code LOCKEDONNFL for first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash LOCKEDONNFL, code LOCKEDONNFL for a first deposit match up to $100. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Vikings your first listen of the day. When you are done here, if you're watching on YouTube, don't lift a finger. It's going to take you right to the 24-7 YouTube stream at Lockdown Minnesota Sports. Uh, that is every Lockdown show that is pertinent to Minnesota. So Lockdown Wolves, Wild, Twins, and all that. Looping all the time. Throw it on in the background while you work. I would also love it if you checked out my Patreon page. Patreon.com slash LukeBronNFL. Uh, everything on it, for the most part, is free to watch right now, except for a couple of uh, companion pieces to wide left articles that I wrote, which you should also sub to that. Um, but right now I've got three quarterback breakdowns up. All, each of them is between 45 minutes and an hour. Jaden Daniels, uh, Caleb Williams, and Michael Penix. And I'm working on the Drake May one next. So, uh, and that one, those are all free to watch. So will the Drake May one. So go check that out if you want something uh, over there. Obviously, you don't have to pay a dime to watch it. I would appreciate your support if you can, though, if you find value in it, but no pressure. 
Okay, let's uh, move on. So here's how I'm going to do this. I have the uh, Minnesota Vikings salary cap calculator up at Over the Cap. I think it's a great tool to help us out. And um, I have sort of penciled in a couple of little things. We talked about the efficacy of some of these things in the past, so I sort of just did that work ahead of time. Um, I penciled in a, just to say we did it, a Kirk Cousins extension for uh, two years, $60 million. That's what uh, Brad Spielberger, Spielberger pre- projected, and I'm sticking to his numbers because I'm not very good at projecting contracts, so I'm just kind of using his numbers and structuring it the way I want to. So I did a two-year $60 million extension for Kirk Cousins. Don't freak out. If you don't want a Kirk Cousins extension, that's fine. Uh, you will have $2 million less in 2024 cap space to work with for this exercise. It doesn't change the numbers all too much. Um, I also did a Justin Jefferson extension. Everybody seems to agree four years, 125 is about the ballpark. So I did a four-year 125 mil extension with some guarantees and stuff. I won't go into the details of it. And I did the Marcus Davenport thing I just talked about. One year, $5 million deal. Doesn't change his 2024 cap hit at all because of void year shenanigans. Uh, and I let DJ want him walk because I, I think he's going to want a starting opportunity somewhere. And I, I don't think that that, that Minnesota is going to be that place, but good luck to him. Uh, so I'll, I'll put a screen recorder on here and you can kind of see me work through the rest of the process as we figure out what to do now with Daniel Hunter. As always, if you're an audio listener, I will be as descriptive as possible, but it is going to be like a lot of numbers getting listed off. So I recommend you find a video place, whether it's YouTube or, or a smart TV or something, uh, to go watch this part. It'll make a little more sense. So in front of you, if you're watching, you have these Minnesota Vikings salary cap calculator. This is at overthecap.com. You can play around with this as much as you want. I think it's a great tool to kind of get to know the landscape. As you can see, I've got Kirk Cousins extended. I have Justin Jefferson extended. I have Marcus Davenport re-signed. Uh, that leaves the Vikings with 49 mil in cap space. Call it 39 in effective cap space because you got to leave 10 million for draft picks and stuff. You'll also notice that I have Harrison Smith uh, retiring, which is the same cap wise as cutting him. So you can click the cut button and that sort of simulates that. Uh, if that doesn't happen, it will be a little bit less cap space. Um, so something to keep in mind, but he also would probably take a pretty big pay cut to keep playing. Um, if he did decide to keep playing and y- you don't really have like, y- he's got to be on the last year of anything, right? Uh, so something to keep in mind, but my guess is that he's going to retire. So I simulated that. Um, the next thing to do is Daniil Hunter. So what do we do with Daniil Hunter? Again, Brad Spielberger recommends a three year deal worth $21.6 million a year. So I am going to enter that in. That would sign him through 2026. Now on this like contract drafting little table, you can see that there's already some prorated bonus. That represents the void years, which we have to work around. So there's already going to be 7.4 mil in the first two years of his cap hit that get tacked onto whatever we actually add. So if we just went with 21.6 mil in each year and just straight up base salary, nothing special, uh, he would have a, a fairly um, weird cap it. He'd have two $30 million cap hits and then a $21 million cap hit. There's no guarantees, so he wouldn't even say yes to this. Uh, instead, let's guarantee some of the money, and we can guarantee that money in the form of a signing bonus, which most contracts have some level of signing bonus. Uh, let's do a fairly responsible one, and let's let's say $20 million, about a third of that deal, is in a signing bonus, and we can take most of it out of 
the first year. So maybe that base salary is only 1.6 million, most of its signing bonus. So he's collecting $21.6 million guaranteed for the 2024 season. It's getting paid out in a different structure, but that doesn't make a huge difference. And then it just prorates a little bit. Now, if you look at the cap numbers, um, if you do that, if you just say, okay, we're going to take 20 mil off of your first year salary and turn it, turn it into signing bonus uh, and have you sign that, he'll have a cap number of a nice sensible 15 mil for uh, the first season of this deal, but then a $35 million cap hit in 2025 and a lower one in 2026. Let's try to make that scale a little bit more responsibly and maybe flip those around. So you can do 15 mil, 28 mil, and then uh, 35 mil. And then we'll figure out how to guarantee things so that Daniel Hunter feels comfortable. So what if we took just like a pure 7 million off of the second year and moved it into the third year so that things scale a little bit cleaner? To me, that feels like a pretty sensible Daniil Hunter extension. We just we haven't guaranteed any of the actual salary yet, though, so let's work on that. For one, the 1.6 mil from the first year, that'll be an easy guarantee. And I think the the, the 14.6 in the next year is a pretty easy guarantee. He'll be a, have a guaranteed contract through the first years. He's got 35 mil of this. Uh, I think that would make it a $65 million contract. Good to go. Spielberger projects uh, a $40 million amount of guarantees. We've got, yeah, $35 million basically so far. So let's guarantee $5 million from the th that third year just to make things an easy $40 million. It's a pretty lazy structure. I only spent a couple minutes on it, as you can tell. But let's enter that in and see where we end up cap-wise. Our cap space went down $1 million for 2024. We took a lot out of 2025, obviously, because he's going to make real money for the 2025 season, but we also get Daniel Hunter for the 2025 season. I think that's a sensible purchase. Um, and again, if you are super, super worried about only having 58 mil left in 2025, for one, we still have 48 mil left in 2024. So if we want to sign free agents, which is kind of where I think we're going to go next, um, we have like every chance in the world to do that. So thinking about it and looking at these free agent targets, um, there are a lot of players on here that I think are, I won't say out of reach because I don't, I don't, I like, you could just go try to get the prize guy of the class, like Josh Allen, Brian Burns, whoever you would say, although those two guys are both likely enough to get franchise tagged. So they might not hit the market any, at all. But, you know, you could go get like a premier guy and probably be okay um, cap-wise, right? If, if you're watching, you just saw that. Like they do have the money to like go splurge if they wanted to. But I think the way that I've navigated this, because the Marcus Davenport thing comes at such a discount, it's sort of a free hedge that just gives us an extra scenario where things work out. And so we can afford to take a little bit more of a risky signing and then leave more money left over for fixing the cornerback room or grabbing a guard or whatever you want. Um, so I'm going to try to be a little conservative here, but I'm not going to be like crazy conservative here. I'm not going to say, hey, you know, let's just like snag old Kyle Van Noy and hope we'll be okay, right? <laughs> and fam the veteran minimum. That's not the world that we have to live in at all. Uh, but usually in free agency, no matter how much cap space you have, going after all the big time premier guys is not a long-term winning strategy and usually just leads to salary bloat. Uh, so let's try to be judicious and, and, and let's try to find not only a good deal of a player that's good enough for what we need him to do, but let's try to find some like efficiency. 
there are so many names on here that are like pretty interesting when it comes to pass rush and edge rushers and stuff. Bryce Huff is a really popular one. He was a big one for the Minnesota football party. We did an exercise like this. Chase Young is out there. Um, older guys like Jadeveon Clowney, Zadarius Smith reunion and Leonard Floyd, you know, guys that are, uh, a little bit more veteran. Maybe we could think about that. Um, guys like Carl Lawson who have injury concerns, but have been really good when healthy, a lot of stuff to consider. So, uh, let's spend the rest of this trying to figure out what we can do in free agency. And, and as I'm talking about it, I think this room needs like one more depth piece to compete with like Patrick Jones and Andre Carter so that those guys aren't just like de facto anointed backups without having to beat anybody in camp. I want to make them beat somebody in camp, right? But I think that that's actually a better spot for a rookie and to look toward the draft. So we'll kind of pencil in some mid-round draft pick for an edge rusher. But now we don't have to worry about that getting in the way of like quarterback. As long as we can get somebody to sort of be an insurance policy against what if Marcus Davenport like flames out and doesn't can't stay healthy again. So that's what we're going to try to solve next. Today's edge rushing episode of the Lockdown Vikings podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle. Here's the deal. You've got a problem with your car. You need a part for your car. Or maybe you just want something that's kind of fun and cosmetic for your car. Whatever it is, there's 122 million parts on eBay Motors that will fit your car. They have eBay's guaranteed fit, which means that they have... Uh, a, a guarantee that whatever part you buy will be correct for your car, for your make, your model, and all of that stuff. They'll make sure that that matches because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. Uh, <laughs> they have all the parts you need at the prices you want. So it's easy to get your car working right again or upgraded or whatever you're trying to do with that thing. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. All right, let's do the fun part here on the Locked On Vikings podcast. We have so many fun little edge rushing possibilities. There are a lot of very interesting names sort of in that second, third wave here. Obviously, it would be a coup if they managed to bring Brian Burns into the building, right? But let's assume that he gets franchise tagged and let's assume Josh Allen gets franchise tagged. And even if those guys hit the market, because that market is just so inefficient that you can make all the cap space you want. You're still kind of, you're putting a lot at risk there. And I don't think we need to play it that way. Um, so I'm looking at guys like Bryce Huff, who's more of a pass rush specialist. Fascinating proposition. He would cost 15 mil, according to the, the PFF, like free agency page, a one year, $15 million kind of prove it deal. I think he's this year's Marcus Davenport. And since we're already taking a Marcus Davenport risk, albeit a very mitigated one, I don't want to like jump into another one where we're, we're worried about injury issues and we're worried about why his production wasn't what we thought it would be coming out out as the second overall pick. Um, somebody else can, can, play that poker hand. I'm good. And I'm sort of not necessarily in on the the older guys either. Leonard Floyd, Jadeveon Clowney. I'll be honest, resigning Zadarius Smith would make me very happy. I just like him a lot as a guy. Uh, and I, I thought it was very fun when he was here in Minnesota. He had a great year in, in Minnesota in 2022. But these long in the tooth sort of let's get a guy who maybe doesn't have the same in the tank, but he can be a rotational player. It doesn't work for me because I need a guy that I can feel like is really good on the field all the time. So 
you know, and I, I don't want to have to put guys on a pitch count like Brandon Graham or Calais Campbell. Those guys need a pitch count, right? Like, would be cool to bring them in the building so everyone can get their Vikings Brandon Graham jersey, right? And we can all be happy when, like, Brandon Graham. He might go to the Hall of Fame. Will he go to the Hall of Fame? Eagles fans weigh in. Is he a Hall of Famer? I, I don't know. I mean, he's, he's, like, certainly a ring of honor for them, right? Um, But, you know, it, it, if those guys don't retire anyways, right? Like that doesn't, that doesn't scratch the itch here. We need something where we're guarded against the idea of Mark. Oh no, Marcus Davenport got another high ankle sprain. He's out for eight weeks and we're not saying, Oh crap, we got to cobble together a pass rush from scratch and like blitz all over the place again. So who, uh, who, who does that? And there's a few of the cheaper options that I think are actually really interesting there. Derek Barnett is a fascinating option. He also is projected to only cost $5 million. What's interesting is that he's sort of had a renaissance with the Texans. And so what I would want to do, and if the Vikings do sign Derek Barnett, uh, I will do this, is kind of watch what was different between his Eagles tape and his Texans tape and see what happened. Maybe it was just a better environment. Maybe they were asking him to do something different and then see what kind of fit we're like looking for here. Um, but again, you're taking on quite a bit of risk. And I don't know, like, I, I, if I want, I, I'll take some risk. There's not a lot of guys that, you know, that are hitting free agency whose teams are letting them walk that don't come with some blemish or risk or something, which is why free agency, you know, big high priced free agents are often bad bets because they're like, there is an inherent risk. There's always the question, why didn't their team decide to keep this guy around? Um, with Derek Barnett, I mean, he got cut in the middle of the season, right? But if the Texans don't re-sign him, I don't know, fascinating option. I'd be just curious about him. Plus, that would sort of, uh, I think that would be like a, a correction in the cosmos because Derek Barnett was picked with the Sam Bradford pick by the Eagles. <laughs> and they also got Josh Sweat from the fourth round pick in that trade. Uh, Josh Sweat, probably going to stay an Eagle. Um, but yeah, that that would be an interesting idea. Not quite good enough, though. I think that's playing it a little too conservative. Here's the guy that I'm going to uh, I'm, I'm going to put into my calculator. Dorrance Armstrong for the Dallas Cowboys. Three years, $8.5 million deal, right? $25.5 million total deal uh, for a... Tw he's 26 right now. And he's been a really good contributor for the Cowboys that has just sort of been overshadowed because they always have like... D-Law and Michael Parsons. <laughs> it's like there's so many people on that Dallas front that like there's not room for Dorrance Armstrong, but every time he got on the field, he was consistent. And I love the consistency there. He's also versatile. He can line up, uh, you know, over an A-gap. He can line up, stand up outside. He can put his hand in the dirt. Um, this big kind of long-armed, lanky, edge rusher type that can do a lot of things. So giving that to Brian Flores kind of gives me this idea of what we talked about a little bit, and I tried not to because I wasn't sure if it was going to hold, uh, and then I got bored. But remember when the Vikings had Davenport, Hunter, and Zedaria Smith on the team for a couple months in the offseason before they traded Zedaria Smith to the Browns? Uh, and we were like, how would that work? Actually, that would be kind of cool, right? Like, you could do a lot of different blitz stuff. You could do a lot of different uh, run game stuff. Obviously, you'd have the issue of size in the run game. If you've got too many, you know, edge rushers in, in A-gaps, they get double teamed. That that might not work out just strength-wise. But that clearly didn't bother uh, Brian Flores, who sometimes just walked Ivan Pace up into that A-gap and had him just, like, fit the run from there. <laughs> like, it's clearly not an issue. So... 
I love the versatility, and I think the price is absolutely right here. So I think like Dorrance Armstrong, Marcus Davenport, if he works out, and if not, we flushed another five mil down the down the drain. That's okay with me. Um, and Daniil Hunter with Patrick Jones and Andre Carter, and then whoever you draft, and let's you know let the best man win in camp. I think that works out. So let's go back to the cap calculator and make sure we can make all this work, and then assess kind of where we're at. And now looking back at it, I'm realizing I'm putting too much stress on the cap and not enough on the draft. If this is a world where we re-sign Cousins, we're probably taking an edge first. But I guess we could take a corner first. So let's keep it as is. Uh, and then we're like set up to take a corner first or set up to, you know, not have to trade up a, a whole bunch in the in the draft to get like the day one quarterback. We can take one of the, you know, the J.J. McCarthy or Michael Penixes and, and give it some time. So let's do Dorrance Armstrong's contract. And we'll do sort of the same process we did before, where we enter $8.5 million per year as a base salary and then say, can we make this a little bit better, right? So again, let's do a signing bonus. Let's say that the signing bonus is because this is a new player coming in. You never know how they're going to mesh. You never go, you're, you never know how it's going to work. And because they, he was a rotational player for so long, I think we'll have the leverage to not maybe guarantee so much money. We don't have to deal with it the same way we had to deal with Daniel Hunter, who is going to want a lot of guarantees, of course, because he hasn't had that in his career yet. And that's going to be really important to him. Dorrance Armstrong is on his second contract. He's going to take what he can get, right? So let's even juice up that that last year uh by whoops so let's even juice up that last year by adding two million to it so we can add we'll, we'll go above the pff uh the, the pff total dollar amount we'll still guarantee the same amount of money but we'll say you know we had to do that to outbid or something like that just to try to keep this a fair exercise so i think we can still do a pretty good signing bonus let's do a uh six million dollar signing bonus that actually scales pretty well. Uh, he'll have a $4.5 million cap number this year. He'll have a 10.5 mil cap number next year. And then we can guarantee this year's, I don't think there's any world where we're signing Doran's Armstrong to a three-year deal worth 20 mil and we're cutting him, right? So we can guarantee all of 2024 for the sake of peace of mind. And then what we can do is we can guarantee enough of the 2025 season where it becomes pretty much impossible to cut him. So he knows he's going to see that money where we don't also have to fully guarantee that money. He remains a little bit more tradable for those reasons. We still have some flexibility and yet Dorrance Armstrong gets some security. And so that makes his camp happy as well. That's what I think we can do. So for that to be the case, uh, we will, so if we cut, Dorrance Armstrong is a cap casualty before the 2025 season. Off of this contract, he would come with a dead cap hit of $4 million. We have a cap number of $10.5 million. So if we guarantee $6 million, uh, that means he's functionally uncuttable for the 2025 season. Very, very tradable. Uh, it's a definitely a situation we can do some stuff with, and we could even void year this out if we really wanted to get fancy with it, but I don't think we have to. So I am going to click go on that one, and we still have over $40 million in cap space this year and next year with basically only corner to handle. Uh, and because we've been fairly aggressive about this in free agency, Edge is now like a way more mitigated need. So I actually feel pretty good about this room. And I guess while I still have this up, just to see the numbers. So for those who are listening and can't see, we have 44 mil in cap space for 2024, 48 mil in cap space for 2025, uh, 2026 and 2027 are basically uncommitted. There's 134 mil for 2026 and 
2027's got nothing in it yet. So uh, that's the cap numbers that we're looking at. If we do not extend Kirk Cousins and we just let him walk in free agency, for those who really want that to be the thing that the Vikings do, there's the numbers. 42 mil in 2024. You didn't hear that wrong. That's a lower number than what it would be if we did extend him. That's because the way that extension will likely work, it can still sort of give them uh, at least like a cap neutral effect or close to a cap neutral effect. And then 2025 goes up to $89 million. Let me know what you think or what you would do or who your favorite edge rushers are. You can leave a YouTube comment if you're watching on YouTube or just shoot me an email or send me a tweet or something like that. Looking forward to hearing from you. I'll see y'all tomorrow. And as always, Skull.